city I've been browsing. Treading water that they drowning. My head on a swivel. Yeah. It's only really my surroundings. Hello and welcome to episode 166 of the Smash Accept podcast. I'm your host, Michael Royer. You can find me on Twitter at DynastyDadFF. It's been a long time coming. You know, we got the Scott Fishbowl, so many exciting things to talk up about. But even more exciting, Snoog is back on the show. A couple weeks off here. Good to have you back. How are you doing tonight, brother? I'm doing great. Just kicked off my first ever Scott Fishbowl draft yesterday. Heck yeah, um, man. Managed to land Travis Kelsey at the 108, which is exciting news. He's a beast. But other than that, I've been getting sniped on every single person I wanted. So I ended up with solid squad, but not who I wanted. But we're only in the fourth round now, so we're still pushing forward. I love it. You know, and that that's the latest that I've seen him go, you know, and that's that's yeah. awesome that you get to, you know, have your first draft with this with the Scott Fishbowl as part of Smash Except. I hope you bring it home. Uh, our guest tonight is also in Scott Fishbowl. He's been in Scott Fishbowl 11, 12 and 13. He's a creator at Football Guys at DLF. Now the co-host of Hooked on Fantasy. Oh, by the way, and he's only 16 years old, at least for today. Hutchinson today, Brown, yeah. welcome, welcome to the show, man. Thank you for having me on, man. I, I appreciate you guys. But yeah, the Scott Fishbowl, it's it's and it's new. I didn't know it was your first one, man. That's awesome. But I'm I'm super That's excited. But yeah, I got a yeah, I was in because of two years ago when I got in the first time, I was in like the dead last wave of invites, and Scott has worked me all the way up. I got in the first wave this year, which was kind of cool. And uh, you know, now me and my dad are gonna be in a live draft in New York. So I haven't drafted any players yet. I've just gotten to watch and be jealous of everybody. So I'm gonna get hyped for this weekend. We're gonna be in New what? York. And I think that's one of the coolest experiences about having you on. And I know we tried in the past and right before we, you know, we tried to do this before, but I'm probably the only person who brought their son to the draft. You're probably the only person who's like in the industry, bringing your dad to the draft. You know, yeah. and for me, it was such a cool experience to see Matthew just walk around and he was talking with Dan LaMagna and he was going over and, <clears throat> and asking, you know, Shane Manila questions and just talking to guys uh-huh. in the industry. And then we get there, the guys are playing cornhole, such a cool experience. Like if you guys are not in the Scott fishbowl, go sign up for next year already. Like you have to be a part of this. The live draft is where it's at, but you know, all these guys are out there playing cornhole or, you know, talking it up and they're like, Hey man, you're on the clock, you know, cause the one guy jumped early and decided to start the pick. We go in Philly, Jalen Hurts went four out of four at the 101 spot, but we got Patrick Mahomes, my son's favorite player. So that that's my experience from, and we also won some swag from Dynasty Rewind. There was raffles in there, food, such an amazing experience. And we raised, you know, just in that particular event, over $5,000 for Fantasy Cares, which is just awesome. Hutch, you know, you're going to be doing this on the opposite spectrum. You know, you, like you got started in the industry. You're, you brought your dad involved in it. So talk to me a little bit about, your dynasty journey, your your redraft journey, everything you've done as a content creator, because you know, like you and I hooked up pretty early when you first started on Twitter. We were talking. Now you're yeah. up over, you know, almost almost seven thousand followers. If you guys don't follow me at Hutchinson B underscore FF, you got to do it. Awesome guy. But tell me about your experience, how it got started, and and where it is now. Man, that's I mean that's kind of a long story. There's a lot to it, but I appreciate the shout out, man. Uh, it means a lot, but. Yeah, I really just kind of, so um, a few years ago, about 2019, I played in my first fantasy league and I was introduced to it by my older cousin in 2018. We were at a football game together. The, it was my first ever Eagles game because I'm an Eagles fan. Uh, first go. ever game I went to and I got introduced to fantasy football that year in 2018. 
And then next year I started to play. I joined a random league on NFL.com. No clue any of the people were. And I rode the back of Christian McCaffrey to a 13 of one championship season. I, my first ever fantasy league. I was like, this is awesome. Let's go. And I played in my second year. And then I, I played in like five, six leagues, won a couple more championships. And I've been listening, you know, fantasy footballers and JJ Zacharyson, who I still love today and a bunch of other podcasts. And I was like, what does it take to start a podcast? What, what, like I'm, I, I love this stuff. Like I'm pretty good at it. What, what does it take to start when I researched it and I figured out I can do this. I can realistically do this. And at, ju at just 14 years old, I sent out my first tweet saying like, Hey, I'm here. I'm gonna start fantasy football content. A podcast drops in about a month or two. Just stay tuned. And that it kind of just blown up from there. Like, um, and I got lucky cause my dad actually, he worked with, you guys know Howard Bender by any chance? Yeah. He's one of the main guys over at fantasy alarm. And, uh, my dad actually bartended with him when he was younger and Howard heard about me very early and he, you know, sent out all my stuff and I got a pretty good jump start uh, in the industry and I got a lot of opportunities to go on other shows. And from there, it's just grown and I've just been grinding and I've gotten job opportunities now, as you said, with football guys and DLF. And I've really just been trying to make as many friends as possible, trying to interact with as many people as possible, build and grow. And I, I've just been nonstop grinding for like two and a half years. And it's a lot has changed since then. I mean, I've been, I truly think I, I mean, I've been working my butt off, but I truly think I'm really, really blessed to be where I'm at today. I, I genuinely like every day, like I, like, I'm just so thankful like that I get to do what I love and just, and people appreciate it, people like it. And I can just go on my phone every once in a while and just like check out Twitter, check out the community that I'm in and uh, have a little bit of an impact. It's actually really cool. And, um, I've even like, I've gotten to see, there's been a few uh, youngsters like me that wanted to create fantasy football stuff. And I've actually had people reach out to me and ask for advice. Like, what would you do? Like, how do you get started? Like, what is this? What is that? And it's actually like really like I'm, cause I feel like it, I feel like I don't deserve that kind of respect yet. <laughs> like I've only started, I've, I just started a couple of years ago and I'm not like that big, but uh, it, it's, it's just, it's been an incredible journey. It really has. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, I don't know. That was a big ramble of nonsense. No, but. that was great. I mean, you absolutely <laughs> do deserve that. And I was like you and, and Snoog's on the younger side too, as well. And it's like, you guys are really driving a, a youth movement, which is pushing, you know, old guys like me aside, but you no, know, <laughs> I think the biggest thing that, you know, both of you guys that is attributed to your success is that you guys are very accessible. You guys are very positive. You guys are, you know, yes. doing things for the community. Like so many people want to get in there and they want to make their content, but it's a matter of like, getting that, you know, getting that brand out there, getting to, to know people. I know you, you were at the, the expo last year. That's a big yes, thing. You know, I've been at the expo last two years. And that's, yeah. if you haven't been in the expo, like anyone watching or YouTube, if you guys haven't been to the expo, uh, it, it truly is one of the best experiences you can be at. Uh, it's, it's one of the, like, like Scott Fishbowl live drafts and then the expo, like the expo and it's growing, it's getting even bigger and Des Bryant's going to be there this year. So you better get there and show up. And I think I'm I might end up playing flag football against him, which would be insane. But um, yeah, he's gonna be in the flag football tournament with his personal corner team, which will be fun. But uh, yeah, the expo it's just fans and analysts getting together, and it's just it's such an amazing experience where you can meet so many people. Like so I meant, we gotta go there next year, man. You and me, <laughs> let's, let's yeah, head you out there. Go. You guys should absolutely go. Like I got I got, like I got to meet Andy Barons there. We became we've become really good friends ever since. I got to meet some really stunning people there it's it's that's so awesome cool. hey yeah. 
I, I love the journey. Let's start jumping into some content here. Let's start talking it, about yeah. what we're doing. Tonight's show, it's it's going to be Hutch's guys, you know, Snoog's guys, my guys. We're going to talk about these guys that we just can't stop drafting, whether it's redraft or dynasty right now. We're in that time where it's it's the dog days of summer, right? So, like, we want the NFL season to come around. We want to talk about redraft. We want to talk about dynasty. And we're going to start with the quarterback position. Hutch, there. if you have one guy right now, right, like that quarterback that you have to have, who's that guy for you? The one guy I would shout out, I mean, you know, you when you asked us for our list, we did talk about three guys each. The one guy, if I were to pick one from these three, I'm actually going to talk about Lamar Jackson. Yeah, and I'm going to talk about Lamar Jackson this year, who I think is a, is set for a massive 2023. I mean, since 2019, I know it's been disappointment. But this year, we're looking at a completely changed offense. You know, you got a, uh, a much benefited receiving core compared to the last couple of years since Marquise Brown left with Zay Flowers, Rashad Bateman. Uh, coming back off injuries, OBJ, and you still have Mark Andrews there, obviously. J.K. Dobbins coming back, second year off that ACL, hoping he's healthy this year. And adding on to that, you have an offensive coordinator, you have offensive coaches that come from more pass-heavy systems. I mean, the last few years, it's been run the ball into the grounds for the Ravens. It just, that's how it's been. And there was one year where uh, in tw- I think it was 2021 where they were forced to throw more because all their running backs got hurt. It was the year Jacob Dobbins towards the ACL, the year Justice Hill and Gus Edwards all towards the ACLs. And in that year, Marquise Brown had 1,000 yards. Mark Andrews, uh, I believe he was just under 1,000 yards. He might have had 1,000. I don't remember. And Lamar was a really good fantasy quarterback in the games he played. But this year, we're looking at better receiving core, a lot more passing attempts. And if Lamar could get to 3,800 passing yards, which is very realistic for him with a move pa- with a upgraded amount of pass attempts and keep his rushing going like there's nothing stopping this guy from being qb1 overall so lamar jackson's current price is going to like the quarterback five or six off the board i'm i'm in i'm in on that price yeah snook i mean this is the only guy that all three of us put lamar jackson's our guy you know and when we did smash it step nine in in february like true degenerates that we are i got him at the 112 and i was just like head over heels like just stoked about it yeah that now, was more when he was had contract debates though which yep, absolutely now we're looking at him he's you know he's firmly going 106 in in dynasty so yeah. like you said in redraft also like the sixth quarterback off the board snook why do you love lamar jackson this year because we're all in on him like we are all just excited to see what this offense is going to look like yeah i mean hutch pretty much nailed it all but to touch on that basically i think the munkin addition is just a huge piece for lamar like it, to yeah. kind of like upgrade and kind of convert into a better passer. Um, we saw him try to be more of a passer a lot last year and the year before, and that guy has an absolute cannon arm. When Hollywood was there, he had that connection with him, and he was on fire, like Hutch said. And Hutch, Mark Andrews actually had 1,300 yards, so they were even better than we Yeah, so we were, they were Dude, even better than we thought. So now that he has Zay Flowers and a healthy Rashad Bateman and a veteran like Odell coming in and a healthy Mark Andrews and a new offensive coordinator and a healthy run game, I, I truly think Lamar is going to be in the MVP category. And my Absolutely. tweet today was just yeah. all Love about that. the Ravens offense. I don't know if you guys saw that, but basically everything Hutch just said was what my tweet was today, which is good because great minds think alike. But Lamar Jackson has been an MVP before and he's – I think he had a 30 points per game season, which is like Patrick Mahomes never even done that. Yeah. So again, like what Hutch said, he has that QB one overall upside that nobody can reach. I don't care if Patrick Mahomes throws 50 touchdowns like he has before. He still didn't hit 30 points per game. So that just shows you how important it is when you can rush for a thousand yards and throw for 
34 touchdowns or 36 touchdowns like he did in that year. So I think Lamar Jackson's a top five quarterback this year all day. And Let's especially for at- anyone's got fishbowl, like with the rushing bonuses all day. Yeah. Big time. yeah. Big time. Hutch, I got it. You know, you're a Philly guy. You and I both love Jalen Hurts. I know we've talked yeah. about that in the past and he's another one of your guys. I'm going to talk about a couple of dynasty trades, but the first one here side a, he gets Lamar Jackson and CD lamb for Jalen Hurts and DK Metcalf. So if you're okay. tearing down from Jalen Hurts to Lamar Jackson, is the CD Lamb DK swap enough to make you do make that deal? I mean, are you taking Lamar and CD or Jalen and DK? So, okay, when you initially said that trade, I thought it was going to be straight up for Jalen Hurts. I was going to be like, that's insane. But when you said DK Metcalf, I was like, okay. I think that when you look at the – because you obviously, when you look at this trade, you have to break it down in two parts. You have to break down Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson and DK Metcalf and CD Lamb. And you have to determine where is the bigger difference? Where is Mm -hmm. the bigger tier break between these players? I personally, for me, I don't know how you feel. I'm low on DK Metcalf and I'm really high on CeeDee Lamb. I think that CeeDee Lamb is truly an alpha. And I think that first round pick, Jack Smith and Jigba, is actually going to impact DK Metcalf more than we think. I don't think DK Metcalf is at that elite level where it's like a first round pick can't affect him. Like how we think about Justin Jefferson with Jordan Addison this year. Like Mm -hmm. Justin Jefferson is not going to get impact like Jordan Addison. Like he's going to earn his target share. I don't know if DK Metcalf's at that level. I don't know. I don't, I surely just, I just don't. I mean, as an athlete, he's an elite beyond elite. He's a freak. But I think as an NFL player, I don't. I think Jackson the Jigbas actually have a bit of an impact more than we think. But so I actually would take the Lamar CD side there. I think you're. I think the yeah. difference between CD and DK Metcalf is much greater uh, than the difference between Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson. Right. And we, we talk about this a lot, you know, try, trying to tear down at one position and tear up at another in the wide receiver yeah. position. The way CD Lamb set up is going to dominate for the next five to six years. You know, like CD Lamb is an elite level yeah. wide receiver. Right now, I have him as my dynasty wide receiver four. I don't argue anybody that has him between three and six. He's right in that area. Yeah, I, I've had him there. You know what I mean? I've gone yeah. back and forth. But you have I, 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 I go back and forth between him and AJ Brown, you know, and uh, then Garrett Wilson started to creep into the conversation. Right. Yeah, and I don't. I, I think that that three through six is debatable, whichever way you like to go it with really it. You is, know yeah. what I mean? But I, I'm I'm loving CD Lamb, Snoog. I got another one here for you. So like we just talked about this, we're not going to totally just get down on DK Metcalf, but similar type trade. These both happened today in a in a sleeper league that we're sent in. Lamar Jackson and DK Metcalf for Josh Allen. So now this is the similar type thing that we just talked about. It's two for one, Lamar and DK for Josh Allen. Is that enough for you? I think it depends on how deep the league is. If it's like a start 10 or start 11, I think I take the Lamar side because I, I do like DK Metcalf because he can produce on a small target share. Like he's like more of an efficient field stretching option and nobody can guard him because he's so fast and so tall. Um, but it get, it just gets tough because like Hutch said, JSN's a stud and he's going to command a ton of targets out of the slot. And it just comes down to if Geno Smith can support um, all three of them, him, Lockett, and JSN, which would be tough. But in in the end, I think Lockett's the dead man out. So if I if I need like a breakdown out. move, if my team's not stacked and like that DK addition will make my team much better, and then I could do whatever with DK, flip him for picks or flip him for a better player, then I think I'm going to take the Lamar side. But I could see if someone's like, no, keep Josh Allen. It's six point passing, and your team's stacked, and you don't need that tear down. So. I think it depends on the, the state of the roster for me to make that move. Yeah, and I think the, the whole trend of this is to realize that Lamar Jackson is closer 
to that that tier one. You know, he's in that same area yeah, as Joe yes. Burrow. He's closer to that than a lot of people try to lump him in with with past Justin Herbert in that same area as as Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence. And I think the upside there, given what he's done in the past, as long as he's healthy, Lamar Jackson is, you know, a, a top five quarterback. My oh, guy sorry. that my guy that I want to talk about, and I've kind of he's gone from being like I was drafting him in every single league to now he's he's getting priced accordingly or almost too much at times, but it, it's Justin Fields. So in all of my redraft leagues, I mean, I want Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, or Justin Fields, period. Like those are the guys that I want to come away with. And for me right now, you talk about 2019, we said Josh Allen can't pass. He was the MVP in 2020. 2021, we said Jalen Hurts can't pass. MVP in 2022. Now we say Justin Fields can't pass. You know, he just got done being the QB seven and, and people are starting to try to find warts in his game. You know, like this was the worst offensive line. When you watched him, it just looked like he was scrambling around for his life. And the narrative that Justin Fields can't pass blows my mind. You look at what he did in college in two years at Ohio state, 63 passing touchdowns, 5,000 yards, 68.4% completion percentage with all that rushing floor. So, you know, Zoltan and I did a little bit of research. And if you look at a guy to be where he averages 70 rushing yards a game, like he does, you only have to throw for 150 yards and 1.5 touchdowns per game to be a QB one. Justin Fields has the potential to go from QB seven into that top three or four range. If things go right. I mean, DJ Moore, Snoog and I both love he's a guy that we're going to talk about a little bit later. The offensive line improved. I mean, there's so many things right here for Justin Fields to just be an explosion where I think everyone was really overhyping, trying to say he's the next, you know, Jalen hurts. He's trying to go into this area, but if at six to 18, 24.8 fantasy points per game, that's top five, you know, like he is right there in that discussion. And when I'm forced to choose between him and Trevor Lawrence, which usually gets a little bit difficult, I lean the field side. I know a majority of the industry is still on the Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Snoog agree with me or disagree on Justin Fields, potentially making that big leap this year. Yeah, absolutely. I think Fields is in for a massive year. Putting him over Lawrence, I think, is tricky just because what they've built and what Lawrence has in Jacksonville. And I think Lawrence is in Dynasty. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, no, for sure. And that's, Dynasty, I always, yeah. but so the way, you know, the, Fields. the way I play is always two to three year windows. And you and I yeah. drafted together in Smash Nine, where I actually traded Trevor Lawrence. I believe I gave up Trevor Lawrence and a second for Lamar Jackson and what ended up being a first. So it was like, those are the kind of moves where I'm all in on, I'm all in on Jackson. I'm all in on fields. Um, the other guy I wanted to talk about here in this similar type range is, is Hutch. I mean, Kyler Murray's just become crazy value. Kyler Murray in dynasty is going according to bulletproof.com now. And it just keeps going back, right? It was 211. It was 212. Now it's 303. Like it is super flex 12 team for a guy that has averaged over his career. You know, you look at, he was QB 12, QB 4, QB 4, QB 7. And now I took him in the Scott Fishbowl, which I think is a sneaky play at 7-11 because this is someone that if he was not injured, you know, if we say he's starting week one, he's going to go first round. Now you got you to gotta look in a big format like the Scott Fishbowl. I want to be in position yeah. to win it as opposed to playing the, you know, it's such a massive format. You can't play safe. If you, you know, try to take the, the safe guys earlier – what are your thoughts on Kyler Murray right now? Because it, across the industry, I've been buying him super cheap. The talent is phenomenal, but I'm interested to hear some, some takes outside of the Smash Accept community. Yeah, Kyler Murray is an interesting one. He's one that I want to say, like, I want to draft and I want to be in on. But it's also really, really difficult because his timeline 
when you look at the timeline of that kind of injury, it lines him up to the point where if he, even if he does start week one, he might not, but if he does start week one, he's not going to be hundred percent. And especially when it's a knee injury, the running ability is not going to be where we want it to be initially. So I think if you want to take him in redraft, I think that's fine. I think in the seventh round of Scott Fishbowl, that's pretty good. Uh, you're probably gonna have to wait a little bit though. I don't think you're gonna be able to get him uh, in your laps in the first couple of weeks. I don't oh, think yeah. he's gonna be. I don't think he's gonna be like that guy for a while. I think you're gonna be looking at him more in the like the second half for the last like ten weeks of the season mm-hmm. as that elite guy. So you might have to wait a little bit. But if you're willing to do that, Kyler Murray's absolutely a fine pick. And well, in Dynasty, he, he is undervalued as well. In absolutely. Dynasty, he's going too late. Yeah. So a little bit of research I was digging into, like the six notable quarterbacks that have done this, you know, they've had an injury and they've bounced back in less than nine months, you know, so they've gotten there. I mean, Deshaun Watson did it. He came back. He was a QB four. actually had more rushing yards post ACL tear than he did the year before. Joe Burrow, it was nine to 10 months in that QB eight range. Donovan McNabb, QB 14. I know that's way back. Even for you, that's probably like what I was were you two really years two? <laughs> I know, right? That makes me feel so old. <laughs> but he had more rushing yards the year coming back there. So you know, we all want to believe narratives one way or another this time of year, and that's kind of kind of how we roll things. Um, Snoop, we talked about the the weapons for Lamar Jackson, right? Have have risen him up. This is the best weaponry that he's ever had, and there's no wide receiver in particular that you're like this is the guy this is who moves him up but it moves Lamar Jackson up Seattle's a similar type situation right Geno Smith has gotten a absolute uptick in value there's no wide receiver where I'm like okay JSN Lockett or or Metcalf none of them are going to absolutely excel but man Geno Smith has just become that guy for you yeah, and he's a great value in Dynasty, too. I, I was getting a lot of Geno with second-round rookie picks midseason last year when people were still kind of iffy about him because he's been so trash his entire career. But 4,000-plus yards, close to 30 passing touchdowns, and now they add Jackson Smith and Jigba, and now they add Zach Charbonnet. And so that offense is just through the roof right now. Pete Carroll seems like they want to pass more, a lot more. Three wide receiver sets. I know they weren't doing a lot of that before. They didn't have a guy. They had Dwayne Eskridge as their wide receiver three. Now they got the best wide receiver in the draft by a landslide. So Geno Smith could get close to 4,500 yards again and close to 35 touchdowns this year. If he can just build a little bit off last year or even just do the same thing he did last year, that system's so friendly for his skill set. And DK and JSN and Lockett just get open so consistently and make plays, making it easy for Geno. So I like his value, and he's 31 years old, so he's a good guy that I like to pair with, like a Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. This is my QB two, and then like in Spash Nine, I actually traded for Geno. I think I flipped Richardson for like a Geno package or whatever, but I end up now I have like Kyler Murray and Josh Allen, I think, and then I have Geno. So like with Kyler Murray, I want like a good QB two that I can rely on while he's injured, and say he doesn't play the whole season. If I have Geno Smith coming in as a top ten quarterback, then I'm perfectly fine for the whole year so pairing him up with guys like that is just the way to do it and i think he has top 10 upside again this yeah, year, yeah. you get you get those guys like josh allen and jalen hurts that are going to have that career longevity and then you max him out is them with a, another quarterback who's you know cheaper but they're they're going to be a little bit more veteran savvy going to put up points obviously you know talked about gino uh jared goff's in that area and hutch i mean you have kirk cousins in there right so kirk cousins is that guy year year in and year out it's like we, we we discount what Kirk Cousins does. He's a QB one yeah. every single year, but every time this this time of year, we're like we push him down to to areas where 
he has no business being there. Like he is a QB one every single year. Yeah, I mean, he's been QB 13 or better in five of his last six seasons, and a couple of those seasons he's been top six. And I really like him this year because his weaponry and the offensive scheme is looking to really favor him this season. Look, I mean, you have Justin Jefferson. You have first-round pick Jordan Addison, who I personally think is going to do really good uh, with Justin Jefferson taking the, all the attention. And then TJ Hawkinson and KJ Osborne, two also really, really solid pieces. And, what, and you know, you see a first-round wide receiver, you think maybe they'll pass more. But also what they did this offseason is they got rid of Dalvin Cook and they did not add a replacement at all. Right now they have Alexander Madison, Ty Chandler, and um, what's this, the kid's name? Um, oh, my goodness. Dwayne McBride. Dwayne McBride, sorry. Yeah. They just drafted Dwayne McBride. They have him. Like, when, with a loss of a massive running back and an addition of a first-round wide receiver, that's going to lead to more pass attempts. And if Kirk Cousins gets in a – an uptick in volume from where he's already been because he's been a fringe quarterback one with the Vikings past couple years. If he can get that volume, like he can compete for top eight levels of quarterback production. And right now he's going like QB 15 and redraft leagues and dynasty. He's buried near like QB 20. Like he's a very, very solid value. I think after this year though, it's a little concerning. So in dynasty, I'm not as invested because he is a free agent. We don't know what's going to happen. He couldn't move to another team. And then that could be a whole different situation. He is 30 plus years old. So in Dynasty, I'm a little bit less invested, but specifically for the redraft this year, I think he's going to have a fantastic year. And I'm excited to see what, uh, and I'm really excited to see him this year. And can I add one thing on the Kyler Murray conversation? Yeah, go ahead. I think this might be a crazy hot take. I don't know. But, you know, the Cardinals, they're not going to be good this year. Like they're going to no. be awful. They're going to be yeah. awful this year. And, you know, there's clearly been a lot of frustration with Kyler Murray and the Cardinals and their team and the GMs. And they also have Houston's pick. They have their own pick. Two probably bet poor teams this year. Mm-hmm. What if I put this out on Twitter and I've gotten some heat for it? I genuinely think there's a real world. I know Kyle's Murray contract is massive. That they trade Kyler Murray this offseason and draft Caleb Williams. Mm-hmm. With the first and which, which for Kyler Murray is not a bad thing at all, right? Like that's it's a horrible the, thing for the, him. The, but the biggest I think thing that can replace this year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like I going into this year because. We, we wanted, right, We there was a lot of us in the community that wanted Le, to see what Lamar Jackson, I was talking about with Kluge on, oh, yeah. on Football Guys. Yeah, Lamar Jackson in Atlanta. Picture yeah. Tyler Murray in Atlanta, man. Like, could you um, – we want – we need – I mean, with the weapons there, with Bijan, Drake London, Kyle Pitts, like Kyler Murray getting traded would not be a bad thing because – Or Carol, think of him going to the Vikings too if they lose Kirk Cousins. Yeah, so like in Dynasty, everyone's like, okay, because I put a big thread out there about Kyler Murray being my biggest quarterback buy. And people are like, oh, yeah, but he's going to get replaced. He's not at a replacement level, right? He's not like, okay, you know, we got to a situation here. No, he's going to go somewhere else. He's going to still be a top 12 elite level fantasy producer. It's not like we're in a situation where if Jordan Love really falters this year or we get a quarterback that, you know, they got a chance like – Desmond Ritter doesn't perform this year. Yeah, they're going to move on from him. But a guy like Kyler Murray, he's going to be locked and loaded. And the other question, people are like, what if he doesn't play any games this year? And and I don't see that. In Dynasty, he's an absolute huge buy because if that happens, it's a win for you, right? Like you're if if you're in a year one punt or you're trying to you know get the 101, that's a huge win. He's the biggest guy for that. But when it comes to redraft, I was just excited to get him in Scott Fishbowl again because of the format, right? Like you don't – Right now, I drafted Ryan Tannehill in the 
I think 13th round to be my starter for the first couple of weeks to get me through. And then it's like, once Kyler comes back, that's like having two, you know, top eight guys in that format. So love the running back conversation. Um, you know, th this is the most important position when it comes to Scott Fishbowl. I know, we, you know, we, we talk about this all the time. I want to move over to the running back position. So let's go for it. Hutch, who is your, you know, we're, we have three guys at each one, but give me one of your buys, like one of Hutch's guys when it comes to running back position. I mean, I was actually made fun of for this last night. It was really interesting. I was on a, I was on the podcast with Luke Sawhook and we were talking about Jameer Gibbs and he, I was starting to hype him up and Luke was like, every time I log into Twitter, for some reason I see Hutch hyping up Jameer Gibbs. I don't know how it happens, but every time I log into Twitter, I see Hutch hyping up Jameer Gibbs. And that's my guy for this year. Like Jameer Gibbs is, I mean, he's been my, my guy of the draft class. He's Good. been my guy for redraft this year. My guy in dynasty. I haven't ranked as my RB three in dynasty. I don't know if that's too hot for people. But that's where Snoop, he's ranked Snoop for me. Is right. Snoop got so excited he started like yeah, sitting Snoop. up in his chair. Like yeah, he has him. Yeah, me and Snoop are very with you guys with, are uh, Gibbs. all over Jameer Gibbs. Our two I have favorite two. people in the class are the same Hutch, Kendra and Jameer. Yeah, we are. We love the we love the running backs in this class. But I mean, it's just set up for him so well. I know the Lions' curse is not fun, but he is set up so well in this offense. I mean, there is a realistic world where he catches eighty passes this year. Or I even tweeted, I think the realistic world that he catches 90. I think he can get there this year, honestly, in this offense. Because they have Amonra St. Brown, right? And then for the first six games, they have nobody else. And they get Jamison Williams. We have no idea what he's going to do. We've never seen him really play in NFL football at a high level. We have no clue what he's going to do when he gets in the offense. They just don't have anybody else. They are going to need Jameer Gibbs so badly to produce. And Jameer Gibbs, he has, he has 200 pounds. But he's not going to be expected to take a workhorse role. That's why they brought in Dave Montgomery. Dave Montgomery is going to be a guy that takes some carries, keeps Jameer Gibbs healthy. They're not going to give Jameer carry those dirt. The, so they're not going to give Jameer Gibbs those dirty carries, that dirty work. They're not going to give that to, to Jameer Gibbs because he's not a running back that's going to be able to handle those very well. They're going to give him the pass catching. They're going to give him some care. They're going to give him some carries, not a ton. I expect him to start his career like Alvin Kamara did. To be quite honest, I expect him to be up there one of the elite fantasy running backs and be just a true difference maker in this Lions offense. And it's I'm so excited for Mary Gibbs. He is he's all over my redraft teams. And something I saw that I want to bring up that was really interesting. Hold on, let me pull it up. I had it saved in my notes. Uh JJ Zacharyson. Like personally, like he's one of my idols in this entry. Absolutely love JJ. Uh he tweeted something really interesting today. So I know that uh, Jameer Gibbs, he isn't selected in the top 36 right now for redraft leagues and one quarterback leagues. He's selected like just outside of that range. But it's interesting that rookie running backs drafted in the top 36 of redraft leagues since 2011. Saquon, Clyde Solaire, Zeke Elliott, Najee Harris, Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, and Trent Richardson. Only CEH failed to exceed expectation. ADP expectation. That was the only one. He was the only one. Like the guys who are drafted in the top of redraft leagues, rookie running backs who are like, I mean, he was drafted top 12 in the NFL draft. Like running backs who are drafted this high don't often fail because these running backs don't get often taken here. Running backs who are taken in this range are true difference makers. Jameer Gibbs is going to be that guy. I'm very, I, very excited for him. I feel like Snoop, you just had like an out of body experience. I felt like I was listening. I, I heard <laughs> the passion with you there. I was like, yo, this is like Snoog every podcast. We're going to Jameer Gibbs take. That's you gotta be pumped up with that because that's exactly where you have you guys have had him both up there. You know, I, I called Snoog and I was like, Hey man, I'm putting him as my RB five in Dynasty. I was like, Is that too hot? And he's like, He's my three. And I'm like, All right, all right, we'll kind of <laughs> get somewhere in between there. And I, I love it because if guys that are drafted, like you said, in that top twelve range, the hit rate is 
astronomical. Like it is an absolute, almost sure thing. And a lot of people are way behind on it. They're totally behind, especially in the redraft community. Snoog, anything to add to that? Because I know, you know, that that's your guy. That's clearly been something you and I have been talking about for months. Yeah, I, I think Hutch is on, on the spot with that. I think he's going to come in and instantly be an elite level pass catcher. And with his four, three speed running behind one of the best offensive lines in the NFL, he's going to be hitting home runs left and right. I, th- I think we're going to see a real life Jamal Charles type remake. Yeah. In that yes. system. And fun fact, Dan, Cam- Dan Campbell was involved in that offensive situation with Alvin Kamara during his early years in new Orleans. So it makes sense why he wanted to get his guy. A lot of scouts saying Alvin Kamara and Jameer Gibbs are twins. Dan Campbell, head coach of the Lions, comes in, takes him 12th overall. I'm sure that has something to do with what he did back in New Orleans. So I think he has a plan ready for this guy. And having 4-3 speed, running back with a 4-3 speed, Jamison Williams stretching the field, that is going to be dump-off city. And Jared Goff is a veteran dump-off quarterback. He's always been much better. I'm pretty sure he was like a 70-plus percent win rate with a good offensive line and a good run game back in the Rams. So that's why they invested heavily in the position because Goff wasn't great when the run game stinks. So Jameer Gibbs is going to come in. You don't take a running back 12th overall in the first round to be just a pass catcher. I think he's going to be like 12 to 15 carries per game, a lot of outside stretches and a lot of zone runs out of shotgun. And, oh, my God, I'm excited. I'm getting too excited (laughs) right now thinking about it. I got a jersey coming in in the mail soon. So Oh, yeah, man. Jameer play football. Thursday Love night it. too. Thursday night first game of the year against the Chiefs. Jameer Gibbs. Yes. He's going to eat, man. It's insane. Right, right now, if you look at, at Fantasy Pros, I mean, right now he's going as the RB 16 or 15. We're at 37 and a half. That's insane because you look Gosh. at the guys ahead of him. Kenneth Walker's still going ahead of him. Travis Etienne. You know, Snoop, where do you have him ranked for redraft, though? Do you do redraft rankings? I haven't done them yet, but he's he's somewhere in that top. 10 to 12 easily. I think, I think it'll be right there. now. Yeah. He's something 10. that I just found my boy, Alex Caruso, the lions had 90. This is what I was trying to find. They had 90 red zone rushing this. attempts in 2022, which led the NFL by so much. There is no way David Montgomery is getting all 90 of those. I would and say David, it's be close, David Montgomery's interesting because he's I believe- not a big running back though. People act like David Montgomery's like this big bruiser. He's like a small guy too. He's like five, nine, five, 10, like maybe two ten. I think Jameer Gibbs is going to get a lot more touchdowns and a lot more carries than people like to believe because Dave Montgomery is not this special elite running back that's some big bruiser that's going to touch the ball 25 times a game. So I think I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, according to Sleeper, is 224. Really? Little, I think he is big, yeah. He's yeah, he's not a he's not a small guy. He's a bit bigger, yeah. He's, he's yeah when, you said, when you said like 210, I was like, no, Montgomery's bigger than that. Yeah, he's really? 224 Sleeper, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's a bigger been guy. A, he's been a red zone guy, eight touchdowns a year, pretty much. He's been a, he's been a big workload guy. Yeah, he's a but big guy. He can take right a lot. But he's not going to get ninety. He's not going to get ninety. There's no way. Jameer Gibbs a lot of carries in that way. I'm glad you you brought wow, up you have him at your thick boy. I'm glad yeah, you yeah. brought him up. You have him in that RB ten range, and my he's guy that I'm the guy that I'm taking in that area is is very similar. It's like I love 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 Ramondre Stevenson this year. I think Ramondre Stevenson. If you look at his only four running backs have seen a higher target rate 
since 2022 other than Ramondre Stevenson. It's Eckler, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, and DeAndre Swift. So, like, this is a guy I'd, I think people are still sleeping on it, right? Like, because he where he got drafted and, what, yes, he was in New England and people start to tell him, themselves that New England narrative, but he was the guy last year. Like, Ramondre Stevenson was that guy. He was an RB1, and I think this year, you know – People keep talking about Pierre Strong and other things in the offense, but I think the offense is going to get revamped a little bit. I think Ramondre Stevenson, just like you said with Gibbs, could easily get 80 receptions, you know, and he's going to be a guy that's going to see. He had 65 last year, you know what I mean? So I think he's in that range. Yes, I mean, like, yeah, 69 on 88 targets. That could go up. And the, the sky's the limit for this guy. And I know last year we were talking about buying him everywhere. Now he's still going as a decent value. Um Talk to me a little bit, you know, where you're at in that Ramondre Stevenson, Tony Pollard, Snoog and I both love those guys. We think they're absolute steals with where they're going. Talk to me a little. I like Ramondre Stevenson a lot. I think he's a really, really interesting pick. I mean, you know, you talk about the receptions. I think that's something that's very undervalued in his game. No one likes to talk about the fact that he nearly saw 70 receptions last year. And that's probably going to happen again. I mean, you got Mac Jones not. He is as mobile as a tree. He cannot move. If he sees pressure, he's dumping off to the running back. The only thing that holds me back, I mean, I do like him as ADP. I'm happy to take him. I'm about at ADP with Ramondre Stevenson, so he's mm-hmm. a fine pick to me. The only thing that worries me a little bit is that I think I am. I think we're, this is the year that we're going to see that Mac Jones is not the future for the Patriots. I think we could even see Bailey Zappi get in some games. I'm I'm really low on Mac Jones this year, and I think this offense might be a bit of a disaster. Mm-hmm. So that's the only thing I'm really worried about. And they didn't really add anything to this receiving core either. I know they could add DeAndre Hopkins maybe if he you know shows up, but. I mean, I, I'm I'm seeing other teams looking at him more uh, personally, but if they had D Hop, that could change things. But for now, this offense looks like it's gonna be pretty putrid. It's the only thing holding back. And then with Pollard, I think I'm a little bit on the other side. I'm I'm a little bit lower on Pollard compared to ADP. I like I like the fact that even though he's taken more and more work every year of his career, he's gotten more effective with the workload. He's gotten more efficient. He's remained highly efficient. I'm ready for that this year. I don't know if he's going to be able to take the workload that Zeke was taking. I'm not ready for him to take 250 carries. Oh, no. Because we've seen, because I mean, yeah, because that's, yeah. I mean, that's the workload he set up for this year because the Cowboys did not add any veteran. They did not add anybody else. And I don't, I feel like if he takes 250 carries, something like that, because that's what nearly where Zeke was at last year. Mm-hmm. Zeke was at like 235, I think, last yeah. year. And with him gone, like Pollard is going to have to take 250 carries because they're not going to give carries to Rojo or, 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 uh, Malik Davis. They're not going to give significant carries to those guys. I do like Malik Davis this year. He is somebody I really like. Mm-hmm. I just don't. I just don't think they're going to give 200 carries to one of those players. Like that's not going to well, happen. And he's Tony not Park, a guy yeah. that. He's not a guy that needs that. I mean, he's a similar frame as Gibbs. You know, he's in that yeah. 210, 210 yeah. pounds. So he's not a big guy. What he was able to do with the efficiency metrics that he has were off the charts. You know what I mean? So yeah. the receiving skills, the touchdowns. I mean, Hutch. I'm looking at there are running backs out there. I mean, our Leonard Fournette. Zeke, Kareem Hunt, and Dalvin Cook. Are they that washed? Or are we just waiting to see a situation? Because if one of those guys that comes in and still fills, what, 70% of that Zeke role, and maybe Tony Pollard gets 30% more carries, that would that be would fine be great. with me. That'd be you know? perfect. But That'd if we try to get him, him, he's not built for 275 carries you know, and to be everything there. And I don't think Malik Davis, who I do like, I love getting insurance running backs. He's the next guy up. I don't I think like he's Davis set well. up as well to be that guy who's going to you know be the one and two down grinder because he's not the same talent level 
as what Zeke was last year or what Tony Pollard is. So Snoog, I mean, shed some light on that. I mean, Hutch and I are, are going back and forth here a little bit on Pollard. I know he's one of your guys. So, you know, convince me on why. Yeah, so what I've been kind of focusing on with the running back position is just kind of where are these top 10 running backs falling, like offensive-wise, volume-wise, can they catch passes or not? And what I've found over the past few years is a lot of the running backs in the top 10 either get an insane amount of carries or have crazy receiving upside and a clear path to volume in general. So I think as much as we like to maybe say Pollard can't handle those touches i think dallas loves to run the ball they said they're gonna run the ball a lot more this year they lost kellen moore they're gonna run the ball like crazy and i don't think there's anybody in that offense outside of tony pollard that is good enough to be a guy that can touch the ball 50 percent plus of the time so i think pollard's gonna be their guy and Dak loves to check down to him they, they like to create drop plays for pollard like they did last year he was the rb8 i believe and he was hyper efficient he only caught 36 passes, which he should see a massive upstick in volume there. I think he's a 50, 60-plus pass guy all day, especially with Dallas not really having a great number two threat. Brandon Cooks came in. I, I'm not really scared of Brandon Cooks. I think it's going to be the C.D. Lamb and Tony Pollard showing that offense, and I know McCarthy said they want to run the ball a ton this year. So he's got the clear path to volume. He's got the receiving upside. He's hyper-efficient. He's the playmaker. I really think he can build off if Zeke's gone, who's going to touch the ball in that red zone and that goal line area. Malik Davis isn't a big guy. Deuce Vaughn's a tiny guy. Paul is the biggest running back in that backfield. Rojo sucks. I don't care what anybody says. He's terrible. He's trash, yeah. So I think it's just going to be Tony Pollard. And if he can get – he was popping off huge runs every play last year, just being an explosive playmaker. If he gets a couple of those red zone touches that he never got, that Zeke vultured, he, he could score 12 to 15 touchdowns and have like an Austin Eckler type season. And I really do think we're having this similar type curve as Melvin Gordon falling off. And then Eckler comes in, in that into that role with a good quarterback that checks down, smart quarterback, good offense, good offensive minded system. So I think Pollard is really going to be the guy in 2022. And I, I have him as a dark horse top five finish. So yeah, I like I'm, it because we're all in on Dallas as, as far as the run yeah. game. I know your guy is Malik Davis is one of the guys that you're buying Malik everywhere. Davis. I mean, Hutch, right now he's going at RB79 in Dynasty Startups. I've been scooping him up everywhere in rounds 21 and 22 because why are you investing in Allen Robinson when you could get Malik Davis? You know, like that's that area no. where it's like you're taking Greg Dorch over Malik Davis. That's not going to do anything for your Dynasty team. No, no, no. You know, that's, that's the way – to get yourself into relevancy and make sure you get there. The other guy you and I both love, and this is, I got him in the fifth round and I was just shocked, you know, cause I already had Ramondre Stevenson. Yeah. 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 I already had Ramondre Stevenson and Brees Hall. Brees Hall's, I mean, everybody that listens to the show knows that that's my guy, but we both are huge on Aaron Jones, man. Yes. Aaron Jones, you know, people want to put him in that same area as these guys who they're, they've dipped down, right? He's 28, and he's coming off the best season of his career. He's someone that I think it could, like these other guys we were talking about, could come up with 70, 80-plus receptions in an offense that you know everyone wants to believe since Aaron Rodgers is gone is going to falter. But tell me why Aaron Jones is one of your guys. Um, I mean, Aaron Jones, I mean, he's not coming off the – I wouldn't say the best season of his career. A good season, RB9 overall in PPR, but he's had RB2 – he's had two top five, top five finishes in 2019 and 2020 – yeah, 2019, 2020. But still, I mean, over the past four years, Aaron Jones has been a top four back. I mean, top 10 back. 
each of the last four years. I mean, it's hard to, and even in 2018, a top 24 back in 12 games played. And I just don't get it with him anymore because he's consistently finishing as a top 10 back at fantasy in every single year he's drafted as like the RB 15, 16. Just he's a little bit more. Right? Yeah, that's the People crazy part, right? Like dynasty. Dynasty is one thing. That's what I'm saying is like dynasty is one thing. If you want to say, okay, he's 28 years old. Right, right, right. But like redraft, he's going as RB 17. Like that's a joke. It makes no sense. And like people like, oh, well, it's not a sexy pick. I mean, if we're talking redraft, yes, I want him over Kenneth Walker. I want him in that same area as like, that's where he belongs. Like as a top 12 dynasty or redraft running back. And it just doesn't seem to add up. No, people aren't really going there, and people are really worried about Aaron Rodgers leaving, and that's like the biggest thing. Aaron Rodgers leaving this offense could bring concerns. But honestly, I think that Jordan like, – I don't think the running back position is necessarily, is necessarily going to be majorly impacted by the quarterback because Aaron Jones has never been like a ridiculous touchdown guy. I mean, otherwise, other than uh, in 2020 – no, sorry, 2019, where he scored 19 touchdowns, he hasn't been a ridiculous touchdown player. And in now this year with Jordan Love, we're concerned about the offense. But with Jordan Love, if he's really struggling, you're probably going to want to look for the shorter options, the dump-off options, the yes. easy passes. And that's Aaron Jones all day long. He's going to be taking those passes. And if you want to you know, keep your quarterback comfortable, why not lean on the run game? You got a solid defense. Why not lean on the run game? I mean, Aaron Jones, he's not like – I mean, obviously, A.J. Dillon's going to get involved a little bit. But Aaron Jones is plenty capable of taking some carries. I mean, over the past couple of years, is he's taken 213, 171, 201, 236. This guy's plenty capable of taking a workload in the backfield. So Aaron Jones just set up for another massive workload, and he's set up for fantasy success. I mean, I just don't understand. There's just not much differences. I know Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love isn't great for the offense, but volume-wise, Aaron Jones is going to be plenty the same. He's going to be getting plenty of volume, especially in the passing game. Especially in the passing game. So especially in a PPR format, you should be ranking him as a top 12 running back in his ADP. It's just ridiculous. His ADP yeah. is just, it's just not, it's not, it's not great. And a fifth round in a Scott Fishbowl draft, that just sounds great to me. I was, I'm I was so excited, Red. man. I jumped, my, uh, my son was like, dad, we got to get him. So he goes up and puts, there's nothing like, you know, and, and I know you've experienced this like for the first time, but you put that first sticker up on the board and watching him, his eyes yeah. just lit up when he was just, like putting stickers up, man. That, oh, yeah, that was man. such I a cool experience. So, I love doing that. Yeah, no, no, that part is absolutely awesome. Um, I think the other guy we got to talk about is is Snoog's other guy, Travis Etienne. You know, I know that's someone that he's been on the entire time. Snoog, I know we don't quite you know, are are we don't hundred percent lined up. But, so we, we've been we've been singing Kumbaya and saying, hey, this is that. So Snoog's all over Etienne. I want to hear I want to hear your points on there and Hutch. I want to hear your counterpoints because I'm I'm I'll I'll throw mine in there at the end. But Snoop's been all over it. He's been trying to sell me on ETN all off season. Go ahead, Snoop. Okay, so I want to get this all right, and I want to get this all in one small type paragraph because I did a thread recently on him on why you should be buying him. So I don't want to forget anything. So I'm going to sell you on him right now, Hutch, and I bet you ten dollars by the end of this that you're going to want to buy him after it. Okay, <laughs> okay go for so- it. Travis Etienne, this is him coming out of college as a prospect. 30 BMI, checks that box. First round pick, checks that box. He's only 24 years old right now, checks that box. College target share, 12%, checks that box. That's great. Freshman breakout, rookie breakout, 1,100 yards coming off a season-ending injury last year and a terrible run offense, no good old offensive line. They, got, they beefed that up a little bit, got some guys coming back off injury. 
set the ACC records for both all-time rushing touchdowns and rushing yards. He's one of 12 running backs to earn a 90-plus grade from next-gen stats and 100% of those running backs to earn a 90-plus grade from next-gen stats finished top 12 in the NFL. That was an Alex Caruso tweet. I quoted him on that. Travis Etienne's also one of six running backs to earn a 99% grade from next-gen stats. Five out of six of those running backs finished top five. Since 2005, he's the only running back in the Power Five in all of college football to put up 4,000-plus rushing yards and 1,000-plus receiving yards in his career. Travis Etienne ended 2022, so his first year in the NFL. He was ranked second among all running backs with a 26.8% broken tackle rate and 10.1 average yards after the catch, which is super efficient for a guy if he gets an upstick and checkdowns and stuff like that. Averaging 10 yards per catch is just Debo Samuel type stuff. He was the RB17 last year, and he averaged, he had 1,400-plus total yards in 2022. And what people haven't really, I think a lot of people forget that he was injured and that he had that Linsfrack injury because a lot of players don't come back from that. That's one of the worst injuries you can get in football. Marquise Brown had it. He was one of few to come back fresh off that, but that ends a lot of people's careers. And to be a running back and have that on your plant foot, have he didn't really have time to prep and get better following the NFL draft. He was focused on kind of recovering from that injury all that time. So that that's tough for a rookie, especially coming in, missing your entire rookie season with that injury, and you, you're not getting better. But I also charted in a bunch of advanced metrics and stuff like yards per attempt, yards after contact per attempt, and at like average yards per touch, yards per target, yards per reception points per touch, all this stuff, rushing yards per game, rushing yards. He was top eight in every single one of those categories, and he was top three in five out of seven. So this is a running back that had one of the best pure rushing seasons in the NFL of all of last year amongst every running back. But for like a fantasy perspective, he lacked the things that are easily changeable, like receptions targets target share and touchdowns you can't really predict touchdowns as much the Jags just overall struggled scoring points last year for a lot of the time but there was that when they kind of started to put things together and they started getting their play callings right and stuff like that keep in mind this is a whole brand new team new coaching staff everything Travis Etienne had like five or six touchdowns basically all of his touchdowns in like a four game stretch and then he ended up scoring and both the Kansas City game and the Chargers game. So he's, he started to put things together, and he had his stretch of games. He hurt his shoulder towards the end. That set him back a little. He had a couple down games, but then he exploded again through the playoffs. So I think people are scared of a running back, Tank Bigsby, who was mid in college. He was never lived up to the expectation of what he was supposed to be. He was never on Travis Etienne's level in college, and he will never, ever, ever do what Travis Etienne did last year as a rookie, even if Travis Etienne wasn't there. He is not good enough to be that efficient in all those categories. After the contact, rushing yards, all that, I don't think Tank Bigsby's on that level of Travis Etienne. He is going to play 100%, but so did James Robinson. And James Robinson played a lot more than what Tank Bigsby's going to play. So I truly think that people are just overlooking how talented of a player Travis Etienne is just because of a third-round rookie running back when there's been so many 
cases in the past few years where a third or fourth round rookie running back has came in. People have kind of been like, ooh, do I really want to take him? And I like like Josh Jacobs and Jameer White last year. That was actually a thing, surprisingly. And I just think you got to look at it like the talent's there. Travis Etienne already broke out in 2022 as a rookie. So it's like, why are we fading him for Tank Bigsby when Tank Bigsby could be a bust for all we know? Like he, he could be terrible in the NFL. He's not very fast. He is a grinder. I'll give him that. But I think I think at worst case, Travis Etienne finishes as like a top 20 RB in 2022. And I, I think he's going to finish top 10. Like I would put a good amount of money on it that he does. So Snook and I are usually on the same page. I know he got really mad because when I went on football guys, my biggest sell at the running back position was Travis Etienne. Just because of the drop rate, you know, bringing in Tank Bigsby. Hutch, yeah. Let's play the other side here. Why is he a sell for you? So when you look at Travis Etienne, his fantasy production last year, he finished as the number 17 running back, which is very respectable. And I'm specifically looking for this year because I want to see where he will improve. I don't see the areas for him to improve in because he had 220 carries last year. He was getting like 70 plus percent of the snaps when James Robinson was gone. He was had a very high snap share, very high uh, percentage of the carries in this offense. And you could argue this offense is going to pass more this year. They've added wide receivers. You could argue this offense is going to pass more this year. So where are the carries going to go? And we also think, I mean, the coaches haven't just said, hey, we're not going to give, because they said this before the draft, after the draft, during the draft. Like every every point of this offseason, the coach's staff has been saying, and we know Doug Peterson likes the backfield committee, we're going to bring in running, running back competition and Travis Etienne is not going to get the same workload. And this is exactly what they've done. They brought in Dearness Johnson, who was a underrated player on the, on the Browns. Oh, I, they brought in Tank Bigsby, a third round pick. And I, I know Snoop doesn't think he's going to get carries. I think they're going to split up some carries. I just don't see Travis Etienne getting that workload again. Everything the coaching staff has said, everything their transaction have said is that he's not going to get that same workload. So then you could argue, oh, why? Maybe he gets more pass catching work. Where is that going to come from this year? They added a big-time wide receiver in Calvin Ridley. Maybe he doesn't work out. Maybe not at all. But they at least added a wide receiver. They added competition for pass catching. Why would that show that they're going to give Travis Etienne more targets? It just doesn't It just doesn't add up for me. And he's going – and you want to say top 10. He's going off the board as like the RB11, RB12 in most redraft leagues. Like he's going at that point. So if he doesn't hit – he is a complete failure for fantasy. If he doesn't hit that ceiling that we're thinking he can get to, he's not going to end up being a great fantasy running back. So I I would be fine if you're drafting Travis Etienne at RB16-17 because I see positive touchdown regression this year potentially coming. There could be some of that this year, which is what I'm scared of for this take is the positive touchdown regression. And maybe the coaching staff just lied to us. Maybe they do. I doubt it because it's literally been the story all offseason. There's been nothing changed about it, and the transactions show that they're, that's what they're going to do. But maybe they do. Maybe Travis Etienne gets that workload. Because Snook, if he I'm does. Looking, well, I'm looking at Mike Clay's projection, and he has Etienne at 226 carries, Tank Bigsby at 100. I think that's pretty fair estimation where, where he's going to see, you know, 66, you know, probably 60% share out of that out of that sure. backfield. See where we go in between there. I mean, I think we're, we're in a situation where I, I love that you brought up Dernis Johnson, another guy that I get thrown in, in deals where I loved what you saw from a small sample size from him in Cleveland when he got chances to play. But ultimately, I mean, I, I think we, we've presented both situations there. Snoog, I don't know if you sold him. I don't think yeah. so. I just like, um, and the one thing I will add though, because the thing is the main thing for me is his ADP. If he was going at like RB 17, 
I'd be okay taking that shot. I'd be okay with it because there are there is upside for him, but he's going as a top twelve running back, and I just I can't pull the trigger there. I just can't pull it. But in, but can you tell me you can't name seventeen running backs in the NFL better than him? There's not even a world so, where you can name seventeen running backs. Well, I have the example. I have. Let's see. I'm going through my notes. I'm gonna find the rankings that I have for running well, backs. Let's see. Where let's let's look at twenty. I mean, I have a I have it right here right now. I mean, we can look at where guys are going as yeah, far I've got as my, I've got mine. I've got my list here. Go ahead. I've got my list of guys I have ranked above a Travis. Start, it, start at like ten. Start yeah, at 10. I have. Yeah, I have. I have Travis Etienne right now. RB seventeen. That's where I have him right now. That's where he finished last year. From but, a so, perspective or from a fantasy perspective? This is fantasy. And I okay. looking at talent, I'd probably have all these guys ranked above him pretty easily. So let's look at this. So my guys here. So let's go from 10 on. So 10 is Jameer Gibbs. Yeah. 11 is Tony Pollard. 12 is Cam Akers. 13, Aaron Jones. 14, Brees Hall. 15, Najee Harris. 16, Damian Pierce. You think Damian Pierce? Is there any Pierce guys there you think are better than Travis Etienne? Because I, I don't Travis think Travis Etienne's better than every single person you just named besides Jameer Gibbs. Easily, really, easily a Bree- better player. Really, Brees Hall. Oh, I I didn't catch Brees Hall. No, Brees Hall's there, yeah. I, you yeah can, Brees I, Hall is better. Brees this Hall is a conversation I love because we're all getting excited here, right? Like every single one of us are better than every single one of those players. Look what Travis Etienne did last year, coming off a foot injury. We give Dalvin Cook, Brees Hall, Javante Williams, all these guys the excuse. What did Javante Williams ever do to deserve to be an early second round startup pick? Travis Etienne had a better rookie year than all of those players and is a fourth, fifth round pick still. We're getting a discount on him. That's my you opinion. Could, you could argue the talent, but I mean, it, at the end of the day, it does come down to fantasy points. You know, like if you yeah. if he's not getting the work we want him to, he's not going to score the fantasy he points we want. RB seventeen with five touchdowns. Say he gets nine, ten touchdowns total, just in general, he'll be top ten easily. And Trevor Lawrence was the least. I don't know how to wear this, but he checked down the least amongst all NFL quarterbacks in 2022. That was a graph I saw. I don't know who posted it, but that that should change because that was ba- kind of based on how Lawrence was playing. He was playing a lot of panic football for a lot of the start, trying to just push the ball downfield a lot to like Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, stuff like that. And I know Doug, I, I was listening to this long thing. I follow a bunch of Jags beat writers and stuff just saying how they want to be more of a fast-paced offense. And to be a fast-paced offense, you have to involve the check down. You have to involve the screen game. There is maybe two running backs in the NFL that are better than Travis Etienne in that category. Getting him the ball quick and getting him in space. Jameer Gibbs better. Alvin Kamara and CMC. I'd say those three. Travis Etienne's explosiveness. He was the second highest rated explosive runner amongst PFF last year. Think of all this coming off an injury as that required surgery and 12 plus months of recovery time. So this is a player that absolutely dominated at Clemson in this area, screen game, explosive run rate, stuff like that. And now you have him paired up with his college quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. They have that connection. They have that trust. He caught 36 passes, which isn't great, but for a lot of rookie running backs, don't cut a ton of passes. And for being in an offense where the quarterback was, the worst check down quarterback in the NFL and to still catch 36 passes. A lot of that was like drawn up screenplays and stuff like that. So I think 50 plus passes is so doable for him with his talent. And I think Trevor Lawrence is going to try to trust him more. And with that faster paced offense, I think Travis Etienne is going to eat. 
Let's stick with I, the same. I think it's team. a reasonable argument. I think it's a reasonable yeah. argument. No, you, yeah. you guys both. Is anybody that's going to make the argument to me? That's why I wanted to bring you, it up for you. you yeah, had, it's reasonable. No, both you guys had great, great arguments on both sides. Sticking to the same offense, one of my biggest dynasty sales, but a, a, a lot of people are really in on on redraft, and I know uh, Snoog, you are Calvin Ridley. So. Hutch, where are you at on Calvin Ridley right now? I mean, like Mike Clay hasn't projected 111 targets. Christian Kirk at 110. A lot of people are trying to, you know, see where they should be involved with this Jacksonville offense. Are you investing in in either of these guys? Yeah, here's the thing. I mean, I am not. I mean, I think Calvin Ridley will be. I could be fine this year. I think his. I think he could be fine this year. He's plenty of upside. I mean, we've seen him be an elite wide receiver in fantasy. I remember uh, after his huge season, like I was all in on him before his breakout season. And then I was had a lot of him in his breakout and it was great. But uh, when it really sucked, cause I had him ranked my number one wide receiver heading into the second season. And then it mm-hmm. just, it fell apart from there, but we haven't seen him football in a couple of years. He could bounce back and be great. All the camera ports have been pretty positive towards him so far, but his ADP, not necessarily in dynasty cause he's older and he's going a little bit lower, but specifically in redraft, he's going as like a top 18 dy- as a top 18 receiver. I think that's just ludicrous at this point to put him at that spot because if he doesn't like really hit, like he has to really hit for to meet that ADP, if not beat it, if he doesn't really hit, he's going to crush you. You're driving me like your wide receiver too. And with how high wide receivers are getting pushed up, he's going in like the fourth round. I think that's just absolutely ludicrous. Calvin Ridley at this point, I don't think you should be drafting him that high. I think he's fine as a dart throw if you want to take him. If he's falling like to wide receiver 20, 24 range, if you want to take that dart throw, that's okay with me. As like a late wide receiver two or high upside wide receiver three, I think that's okay because he has plenty of potential. But that bet at wide receiver 16 to 18 is a bad bet. It's just well, not what you should be making. Your draft, I mean, two of my guys that I'm, you're drafting over Jerry Judy, Christian Watson, Chris Godwin. I mean, there's a lot of upside in, in those areas. I know we could go on for quite a bit. I know we went a little bit past, you know, what we were we were expecting, you know, going into the Travis Etienne discussion. One guy that uh, Hutch you brought, you have on your list of my guys that you don't see a lot of. You have Michael Gallup in there. So real quick, just shout out because he is going incredibly late in dynasty startups and in redraft yeah. as well. So tell me a little bit about Michael Gallup. So I think Michael Gallup's a really interesting prospect. I mean, I think people forget. Uh, let me pull up. Sorry, I I had the stats pull up and then I didn't because I was pulling up someone else. But I had the numbers pull up here for Michael Gallup. I feel like people forget that this dude in 2019, 2020 put up like 1900, almost 1900 receiving yards, over 1900 receiving yeah. yards, right. like almost right 1000 yards in those two seasons. He's and going around 17 behind Adam Thielen and DJ Chark. Like, yeah, that's, and that's I think it's kind of. I think that's just kind of crazy because I think he has all the potential in the world to be the number two in this offense. You have Brandon Cooks, an aging wide receiver off a down season, and you have Michael Gallup, a guy who's put up an 1100 yard season. And I know it's the ACL, the end of the ACL tear a couple years ago wasn't good. And it just hasn't been good for him lately, but he still has plenty of potential to be the number two receiver for this offense. We've seen him do it before. And he, I don't have like the most faith in the world where it's like, yes, he's going to be the number two, but he's just going so far behind Brandon Cooks. That's just like, that value is that value difference should not be that wide. Michael Gallup should be going much closer to Brandon Cooks than he is right now. I uh, I'm very in on Michael Gallup, and he's 27 years old. That's like the prime of, of a career for a wide receiver, about 26, 28 years old. That's the prime. I'm in on Michael Gallup. I think he's very much worth uh, your pick right now. I like yeah, that. And he's, yeah, 
out of sight, out of mind. You know, Hutch, this has been an awesome experience. We'll have to have you on again because we didn't get quite all the way through. But man, like I love the charisma and the, you know, just you can tell you absolutely love fantasy football, you know. And I think for, for you guys, again, you. That, that don't follow him, make sure you guys do. And we didn't really get a chance to talk too much, but I mean, you got that new podcast going on. I mean, you are everywhere. So tell everybody where they can find you, what you're working on, and then we'll get things closed out. I appreciate it. I appreciate the kind words, man. It really, it really does mean a lot. Thank you so much. But um, yeah, you guys go follow me on Twitter. I'm at Hutchson B underscore FF, and you can find all my content from there. I work with DLF. I work with football guys, and uh, I am the co-host of Hooked on Fantasy with Luke Sawhook. If you don't follow him on Twitter, he's at Luke Sawhook. He's he does all, all his own stuff. He's a fantastic guy. Uh, you should definitely follow him. But me and him started in the podcast game just yesterday, and uh, we're to be I mean, we're to be co-hosting his show together, Hooked on Fantasy. And the first episode's gone really well so far. We've got a lot of positive feedback on it, and we're hoping to keep it going. So we're we're really looking forward to working together on this big project. So uh, yeah, we're we're really looking forward to it. It's great. And but yeah, if you if if you ever want to, you can follow me on Twitter, Matt Hutchison B underscore FF. And I'm just I'm just a teenager trying to make his way in the fantasy football space. I mean, I, I turned 17 tomorrow, which is kind of fun. But um, yeah, and I turned 17 tomorrow, but I've already been in this industry for like over two and a half years. If you, it's a little crazy. <laughs> It blows my mind because my my oldest turned 16 yesterday. You turned yeah. 17 tomorrow. You're making me feel real old, but I appreciate it, man. You know, I got to keep up with you young bucks. Thanks again for tuning in, guys, and enjoy the process. Yeah, that's crazy.